Everybody, oh, I'm so honored you're here when you could be trick-or-treating. You're awesome. I love you guys. I thank God for you, those who are watching online. My Debbie, I hope you figured out that computer. Hope you're watching me online. I love you, dear. I thank God for everybody. You know, we are just still one great church family. Four locations, hundreds of living rooms. Because our God is unstoppable. Jesus is unlimited. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And the church of Jesus is prevailing even against the gates of hell. So we thank God. Um, and I'm grateful that you're here. If you're here for the first time, first time in a long time, um, I love it that you're joining us. And one of the reasons I believe God has either brought you personally into this place or uh, watching us online is because he wants to help you with your problems. We all have problems. But the smart thing about children is that when they have problems, they write letters to God. I got a few to show you. Dear God, I have scary dreams at night. Where do they come from? Or should I ask the devil that? Billy. Uh, dear God, send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. I hope he's no relation. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother. But what I prayed for was a puppy. Joyce is bitter. Okay, dear God, my turtle, is, my turtle died. Is she with you? If so, she likes lettuce. <laughs> Susie. Oh, dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There is nothing good in there now. Jenny, that's a smart kid. Okay, one more. Dear God, are you a ninja? Is that why I can't see you? Jacob. Now, kids are amazing. Kids are incredible. Kids are awesome. In fact, here at Central, uh, we've learned the power, the spiritual, the supernatural power of loving children and making them one of our highest priorities. 30 years ago, uh, our church family came together. Uh, we were undergoing a, a season of significant change. We had just doubled in size. We had just gone from a church of about 250 worshipers on the weekend to over 500. And so we came together on this night we were anticipating more change, more change, more change. We had moved from the other side of town to this Milwaukee Road location. We were worshiping in a new building. And oh my gosh, the kids, there were so many kids, they'd taken over the building. If you are familiar with our chapel area, there's two wings. And we had classrooms all up and down those wings. And they were filled with kids. In fact, we had to send adults off campus to have Bible study. They would have Bible studies in homes. We rented uh, the school, a Morgan school across the street. We sent our singles ministry down to a motel and rented. Yeah, that was a hard one. Um, but finally, finally we built a, a, a youth building. But it all spawned out of one night. Here at church, we, we were going through so much change, we came together to sing praise, to, to pray to God, and to get clarity from God on what at Central Christian must never change. What would be our non, why am I preaching in a mask? That just occurred to me. Um, what would never change? And so we spent about two hours in prayer and praise and discussion 
came away with what we call now our core values, our non-negotiables. Whatever changes in our world, and still there's crazy changes going on, but this is what will never change. Here's our number one core value that we developed that night. Central Christian is a church all about Jesus. He is our Lord. We surrender to him. He is our savior. We serve him. We exalt him. And as we exalt him, all people are drawn to him. Second core value, Central Christian is rooted in the word of God and in touch with the times, just like Jesus. When a church is all about Jesus, it's going to be all about his word, but at the same time, in touch, it's going to have a cultural relevance about it. The two become congruent and feed off each other, just as they did in the ministry of Jesus. But as well that night, a non-negotiable core value at Central Christian, children are worth our best effort. One of our biggest deals. And I got to pause right there just to say thank you and to commend you because it's not just children here at our church that are worth our best effort. Children in our community, children around the world, children in other churches, wherever there's a heal, a hurting child, we want them to find healing. And a month ago, our church shared a love offering. $25,000 of that love offering went to a church in Little Rock, Arkansas, the Lewis Church, Lewis Street Church of Christ. It's a sister church of ours. It's a black congregation serving a black neighborhood. And they had their church building firebombed twice, destroyed their sanctuary that had just been uh, totally remodeled on the inside. But you, out of your grace, out of grace to see children come to the Lord, out of your grace to see people worship and lives restored, you, we sent $25,000 out of that offering. In the name of Jesus. Also, $6,000 went to our school in Haiti to help children get a good education. We've already built a playground there, and we wanted those children to learn. We believe that education, in the name of Jesus, is one of the powerful antidotes for poverty. And $4,000 of that offering, and if you're good at math, 25, 6, and 4, that's $35,000 you guys gave. 4000 goes to Ray of Hope Ministries, a $100 gift card for 40 different families representing the boys that Ray serves uh, in inner city Chicago. So I thank God for it. But it happens because we value children. We value children in our families, in our church, in other churches, in our community, and around our world. And here's, here's why. Children are worth our best effort because Jesus is worth our best effort. And maybe you think, well, that's a kind of a snappy little saying. It has a, a nice ring to it. It's a good sentiment. But what does Jesus and children have to do with each other? Well, I'm glad you ask. In Mark chapter 9, followers of Jesus are hanging out, and they are in a heated argument with each other, other over who is the greatest among them. Now, one of the things I want you to catch in this text is that Jesus does not reprimand them for wanting to be great. No, God put it in you, 
a longing in you for greatness. God put a design, a destiny in you for greatness. God has given you capacities for greatness. And God is thrilled when you achieve the level of greatness he has called you to. Being great is okay. It's just that there are so many wrong roads. We think following these paths will lead us to greatness, but in truth, they lead us the wrong way. Now, there are so many roads to false greatness. I can't go through them all, but I can give you three attributes that can tell you you're on the wrong road. They all begin with the letter C. Here's number one, complaining. If you find yourself complaining about your family, your parents, your spouse, complaining about your school, your work, your church, your relationships, if you're complaining, it's evidence that you're on the wrong road. You're going the opposite direction of true greatness. Number two, comparing. Boy, if I just had what he has, my life would be so good. Or at least I'm better than she is. If you comparing is a cancer. If you were just like my mom, if you were just like your brother, Comparing is a cancer that kills relationships. It goes the opposite direction of greatness. And number three is criticizing, tearing people down. This is not the heart of Jesus. This is the opposite of the heart of Jesus. He was all about building people up, loved everyone, bless your enemies, bless those who persecute you. No criticism, no comparison. No complaining, false roads to greatness. So let me show you what Jesus gives his followers. He says, you guys got it all wrong. The way that you're arguing, I can tell that you're on the wrong road to true greatness. You're gonna be great. I want you to be great. So here is the primo path to true greatness that Jesus gives. Here's the text. If any one of you wants to be first, great. He must be, here's the first C of true greatness. He must be content. Content to be last and become a caring person, servant of all. And all includes children. Content, caring, in fact, then he had a child. That's the third C. That's the third C that has you on target for greatness. Contentment, caring of all, and children. Then he had a child come and stand among them. He wrapped the child in his arms. Now, what do you think that felt like when Jesus wrapped that child? What do you think that child felt? Jesus wrapped that child in his arms and said to them, he's not speaking to the child, he's loving the child, he's embracing the child, he's holding the child, he's speaking to those who are arguing on the wrong road away from greatness, whoever welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me, I'm in the child. The child is made in my image. If you welcome a child, if you love a child, you're welcoming, you're loving me. Anyone who welcomes me is welcoming my father who sent me. You see, children are worth our best effort because Jesus is worth our best effort. Jesus is in every Haitian child, in every inner city boy, in every child in Little Rock, Arkansas, every 
child in this community, every child in this church, every child in my family, every child in your family bears the image of Jesus. Just to show you, it is amazing to me. Read the Bible, read the New Testament. Look at all the times that children show up in the ministry of Jesus. It's like they're always hanging around. And often he uses them as object lessons. But let me just give you a whirlwind tour in the Bible of Jesus making his best effort for children. Here we go. Number one, Jesus makes his best effort for kids when they're still in the womb. Psalm 139, the psalmist crying out to God says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Oftentimes when young women want me to pray over their babies in their womb, I will ask Jesus to take his nail-pierced hands and apply them to their womb as he knits and forms fearfully and wonderfully the little one in their womb over every moment of pregnancy, over every moment of labor, over every moment of delivery. But Jesus starts making his, his best effort for children from the point of conception. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous from the moment of conception. Jesus is making his best effort for children. And so we make our best effort for children while moms are still pregnant, while they are yet to go into labor, while they are yet to enjoy the fruits of the delivery. Jesus makes his best effort for kids right from the moment of conception. Now, here's the other deal about our Jesus. Remember the incarnation? Jesus understands kids because Jesus was a kid. Jesus himself came to earth through human birth. He was born. He was delivered as a baby. Let me show you. Prophecy, book of Isaiah. Jesus, a child is born to us. And we could easily say, for us. A son is given to us. We could easily say a son is given for us. Why? Because he would die for our sins. He would be risen from the dead so that we can live in the incomparably great power of Jesus. He'll be our ruler. He will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. It's amazing. All the times you see Jesus in his ministry, he always had time for children. Always. They could interrupt his schedule. He never saw them as a distraction. He saw them as the high point of his day. Check this out. Jesus always had time for children. Some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. Now, wouldn't you want that for your kids? So these parents get their kids all cleaned up, get a good breakfast in their tummy, Get them, however far they got to walk, they get them to Jesus because they want Jesus to touch them and pray over them, call down the goodness of God on them. But the disciples scolded the parents. These guys are a mess, man. Comparing, criticizing, complaining, they scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Let's say that. Let the little children come to me. One more time. Let the little children come to me. Even home online, say that. Let the little children come to me. 
That's the heart of Jesus. So that's the heart of this church. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. Don't let anything stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those. Oh my gosh. Now he's looking at those messed up disciples. Now he's looking at me. Now he's looking at you. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Check out the children. If you're like the children, the kingdom of God is yours. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them, called down the goodness of God. Now, maybe you felt what that little one felt when Jesus wrapped his arm around that little one. But what about when Jesus lays his hands on a little one and calls down the goodness of God, the words of life from the Lord of life spoken over that child? The Lord has had me memorizing recently uh, Isaiah 54. So every day I get up after I have spam and eggs for breakfast, I write out Isaiah 54. And right at the center of Isaiah 54 is verse 13 that reads, this is the Lord speaking, I will teach all, all, I will teach all your children and they will enjoy great peace. I just stop right there and start praying for my children. I start praying for my grandchildren. I start praying for the children of this church. I start praying for you. I think you're my spiritual children. I want the Lord to teach our children and for our children to enjoy great. That's the heart of Jesus. So that's the heart of this church. Now, here's what you got to know about Jesus. Jesus shows compassion, great compassion for hurting children in... Um, Matthew 15, teenage girl, demonic, filled with a demon. All she can feel is evil. All she can think is evil. All she does is evil. And her mother goes to Jesus. And her mother won't stop petitioning Jesus, pleading with Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus, out of great compassion, cast the demon out of the girl. Now she's in her right mind. Now she can feel peace. Now she can feel joy. Now she can think hope. Now she can... Now she can throw herself into the arms of her mother. He gives the little girl back to her mom. That's Matthew 15. Matthew 17, it's a teenage boy. Self-destructive, filled with a demon, hurts himself, out of control. All he can think is evil. All he can feel is evil. All he can do is evil. And Jesus casts the demon with great compassion. Jesus casts the demon out of that boy and gives that boy in his right mind with the right heart back to his father. And then in Luke 8, Jesus takes a little girl by the hand. She's dead. She is dead. But Jesus has such compassion for her. He takes her by the hand, speaks her name, and at the sound of her name, her eyes open from death, and she is off that bed and running around the room. Jesus has great compassion for hurting children, so this church will have great compassion for hurting children in our community, in our families, in this church, in other churches, in the dark, poverty-stricken places in the world. Now, Jesus, he would honor children. He would receive their gifts, he would receive their praise, boop, behind my back. Jesus honors children by receiving their gifts and praise. In Matthew 21, there are these kids, whole gang of kids, 
chasing after Jesus, singing his praises as they follow him. And the really religious people, the critics, <laughs> the, the complainers, uh, the, the, the guys stuck in comparison, they say, hey, you better shut up these kids. You hear what they're singing? You know what Jesus says? Hey, if they are quiet, the rocks will shout out my praise. Jesus received the praise of children in John 6. A little boy offers Jesus his meager lunch. Some barley loaves, some small fish. And Jesus said, you know, come here. Watch, watch this. And he honors that little boy by taking that meager lunch holding it up to the Father, thanking God for that meager lunch, calling down the goodness of God and the power of God on that lunch, and then Jesus begins to distribute it, disperse it to his disciples who begin to distribute it and disperse it to thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are present. As this unfolds, I see Jesus call that boy. Now, watch this. Watch this. Watch your lunch. Watch who your lunch. Watch that your lunch feeds everybody. And then when everyone had eaten and had had enough, the disciples bring back to Jesus 12 baskets full of bread and fish. And as they bring them back, Jesus, in my imagination, just says, just set them right there in front of the boy. He's like, see, when you give to me, you get it all back and more. You take that home to your family. You feed your family. When you give, you get it back and more. Jesus honored the praises of children. He was excited when children sang his praises and he gladly received the humble gifts of children. Um, so children are worth our best effort. If, if they were worth the best effort of Christ, they're worth our best effort. And right now we're in a season, we're, we're about to take that to a whole uh, another level. We have a playground for kids over by our kids' works. Cool playground. It's fun. I've been out there a number of times because my little David would go out there and play. It's got like mulch um, as a surface and, you know, fun things for them to do. As long as the child doesn't have special needs. If, if you're a disabled child... You got to sit on the sidelines while the other kids get to play. And we think that's wrong. We think that ain't right. And here's how we feel about children. If they're worth our best effort, that means we'll bear any burden. We'll make any sacrifice. We will fight any fight to defend them and advocate for them. And we will do anything in our power to make things right for all kids. And so we are going to do a massive makeover of that playground. Now, this is a massive God-ordained undertaking. Brienne Hordorf, my son Jake, Tiffany Webb, that's our children's ministry paid staff. Joel Purdy, our facilities manager, they all have researched this, studied this, um, did all the projections with this company. And this, this is so big. I mean, it's going to take extensive excavation. All that mulch has got to go. A new surface laid down. All kinds of new playground equipment that serves the needs of special needs children as well as mainstream children. And it will come at a cost. 
of $150,000. That's a ton of money. But one person in our church has already committed to give $75,000. It's a matching gift. Every dollar I give will happen in our Christmas offering that we have every year. Every dollar I give or that you give will be doubled by that $75,000 gift so that we are already on the schedule so that next spring, late spring, construction excavation will begin. And within a short time next summer, we'll have a new playground uh, for children of all needs. Now, I could just imagine Jesus walking through the playground in the video, swinging special needs kids, going to merry-go-round with the mainstream kids, loving all the kids. Now, I want to tell you, I, I grew up with special needs. You grew up with special needs. My special needs caused by my sin. Your special needs caused by your sin. And your Jesus and my Jesus, he was willing to come and give his all to die on the cross to pay for our sins that we might be free and have a wholeness from him, unspeakable, unlimited. You see, every child is made in the image of Jesus. Let me read you the text. Jesus called a little child to him. This must have been his habit. He called another little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that wild? All the stuff we get in our head about what maybe makes us able to go to heaven, it's, it's about becoming a little child. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So, would you pray with me here in this room and at home over this offering? over our children and over what God's gonna do in and through us. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father, you burned in our hearts 30 years ago a non-negotiable for our church. Children would be worth our best effort. And the truth is, children are worth our best effort because Jesus is worth our best effort. We, we see your fingerprints all over this opportunity for kids, Lord, because it's big, it's expansive. It is all-inclusive. And I, I ask that you begin to work in my marriage, my Debbie's heart, my heart. All my kids, Lord, they have jobs. They have children. All the people in this church work in their hearts, Lord. We just ask, what do you want us to give? We'll give whatever you say, Lord, because like the little boy's lunch, whatever we give, we'll give back and more. But what do you want us to give, Lord? Whatever you tell us, we'll keep praying until we get a specific number from you. But whatever you tell us, we'll do. And we can't wait to see what you do, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.